You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. does have a plan. He has a plan for your life. He has a plan for my life. He has a plan for everybody's life in the entire world. He has a plan for the life of this church. He has a plan, and His plan is perfect. We might not always agree with His plan, but sometimes His plan seems harsh. It seems difficult to understand. It seems difficult to comprehend. Why would God do this? Why would God allow this? But he does have a plan, and because he's a perfect and just God, his plan is perfect and just. In today's message, Pastor Dave will remind you that God always has a plan. He has a plan for your life and ministry. His ways are higher, and his thoughts are higher than ours. So his plans are greater than anything you could ever imagine. And God has the ability and the desire to make his plans happen in your life. And here's Pastor Dave in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 2 as he begins his message, God's Judgment Falls. We're going to do something unusual. We're going to go back to 1 Samuel. So uh, we're going to be in 1 Samuel 2. We're going to finish 1 Samuel 2. Uh, We'll read specifically verses 22 to 36. 22 through 36. So we come back to 1 Samuel. We began our study in 1 Samuel several months ago as we looked at God's plan for the restoration of the nation Israel to bring the nation back to himself. The nation had strayed. It was during the time of Judges. And remember, as we studied the book of Judges, we said that the the key phrase in the book of Judges was that everyone was doing what was right in their own eyes. There was no king. There was no one to lead them. There was chaos. There was anarchy. There was trouble in the streets. There was trouble everywhere you, everywhere you went in the nation. And we read through the book of Judges and we saw that from time to time God would raise up men and women to actually lead the nation to quell the problems from outsiders and even the problems from within. But God was starting to change some things. And as always, God had a plan. God had a plan. And, and I, I want to keep coming to that, and I, and I know that you might think that I hammer on certain things, and I do, but God does have a plan. He has a plan for your life. He has a plan for my life. He has a plan for everybody's life in the entire world. He has a plan for the life of this church. He has a plan, and His plan is perfect. We might not always agree with His plan, but sometimes His plan seems harsh. It seems difficult to understand. It seems difficult to comprehend. Why would God do this? Why would God allow this? But he does have a plan. And because he's a perfect and just God, his plan is perfect and just. And he works out his plan. And we know that Scripture says that he works all things together for good, for those that love him and are the called according to his purpose. So that's a tough Scripture sometimes when you're going through a difficult time. But God 
does have a plan. He had a plan for the nation Israel, and he still has a plan for the nation Israel. Even though the United Nations can do all they want, our president can do all he decides to do against Israel, but that will not thwart God's plan for the nation Israel. God has a plan for that nation, and that plan will come to fruition. Keep your eyes focused on Israel, folks. Watch what's happening over there as this time continues to move forward. So back in this day, God wanted to bring Israel back to him. They had strayed too far. They had gotten too far from the commandments. They had gotten too far from all of his work that he had done through them, through Joshua, through Moses, and all of that time. God wanted to do a work. And as usual, when God wants to do a work, he chooses some individuals to do the work through. And it seems, though, he always does work through babies. He likes to do work through babies. We just celebrated the birth of a child, the child Jesus Christ. Celebrated the birth as God became man and dwelt among us, Emmanuel. God had a plan, and his plan involved a family. Father's name was Elkanah. Mom's name was Hannah. It seemed that Hannah didn't have any children, could not have any children. Scripture said she was barren. Elkanah wanted sons and daughters, so he married again and had sons and daughters by another woman. And this became contentious in the family as the one who had the children would make fun of Hannah, who did not have children. They would go up to Shiloh, which was where the temple was, or the tabernacle was at that time. They would go up there to worship every year. Elkanah was a very righteous man. He took his family up there religiously. He did exactly what he was supposed to do. And one time while they were up there, Hannah went on her knees before the Lord in the tabernacle and prayed that God would give her a son. And that she vowed that, God, if you gave me a child, a man-child, I would then dedicate him back to you. And I would give him back to you to be in your service. Well, you know the story. We studied it. God did exactly what she asked. God gave her a son. He opened her womb and gave her a son. They named him Samuel. He would be a bridge builder. He would be a bridge builder who would then direct the nation into a revival. He would be the first in the line of prophets that was sent by God. He would be the first in the line of many prophets after Moses. He would give much-needed spiritual leadership to the nation and help to move them into spiritual rededication, which is what they desperately needed. As in most instances, revival and renewal began with a prayer. Anna on her knees. This nation is in need of desperate revival. And it's not going to happen unless it happens through prayer. And it's not going to happen unless it happens in our lives first. It happens in our hearts first. Revival starts in our hearts. Because God is just looking for one heart that he can start a revival through. You go back and you study the great revivals of our time in church history. And they all started with prayer and a heart. A heart that was open to receive what God would do through his Holy Spirit. A heart that was open and ready to allow God to work in it. And revival started. Many, many great, wonderful revivals. Well, there are many, many scholars, 
including myself, I don't call myself a scholar, but I, I study the Word of God, who believe that there's going to be one last push, one last push of God, and many, many will come in. When's that going to start? Is it happening? I don't know. But we need to pray for that. We, our hearts need to be open that God would use us for such a time as that. But God answered the cry of this woman. The woman vowed to give her son back to God, that she would dedicate him. He answered her prayer, and Samuel was born. And then when he was about three years old, they went back to the tabernacle in Shiloh, and she did exactly what she had vowed to God. She took three-year-old Samuel and gave him to Eli, the priest, and his sons. There's a caveat there. Eli and his priest, it was the priest, but his sons were wicked. They were corrupt. And we studied about them last time we met with Samuel. But we read the beautiful prayer of praise at the beginning of chapter 2 of Hannah. And you look at the first several verses. After Hannah had given her son, after she had given her son back to the Lord, she said, my heart rejoices in the Lord. My horn is exalted in the Lord. And remember, when you see the word horn there, it means strength. Her strength is exalted in the Lord. I smile at my enemies, but I rejoice in your salvation. No one is holy like the Lord, for there is none besides you, nor is there any rock like our God. Talk no more very proudly. Let no arrogance come from your mouth, for the Lord is the God of knowledge, and by him actions are weighed. In other words, the Lord knows everything. And she goes on and on with this beautiful, gorgeous prayer that she gives glory to God for what he had done in her life. We are likened that. How, how, how could we do that? How, how could you not have a child and then all of a sudden give birth and just give the child back to God and let him there, leave him there with these priests who you knew were, were wicked, who were corrupt? What faith this lady had and what we can learn from her and what we did learn from her, her faith. But as we met the last time, we studied the great contrast that was created. You have the childhood of Samuel, who was growing and ministering before the Lord, even at a young age, wearing a priestly ephod. He was ministering before the Lord. And how his mother would come and make him a little robe each year. And he was getting stronger and stronger with the Lord. And because of this, she and Elkanah had many, many more children. But then you had the sons of Eli, who were corrupt, who were wicked, and they did terrible things. They, 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 they did terrible things to the sacrifices. They, they ate the sacrifices before they gave them to God. They, they didn't do the sacrifices correctly. They kept things back. That the Scripture says that they didn't know the Lord. Look at verse 12 in chapter 2. Now the sons of Eli were corrupt. They did not know the Lord. They were priests. They were learning to priests. They were basically apprenticed, and they didn't know the Lord. They didn't know the Lord, even though they were studying. So as we come in tonight's study, we saw this first downfall that they did with the sacrifices. You can read about that from verses 12 to 17. We studied those last time. It says in verse 17, Therefore the sin of the young men was very great before the Lord, for the men abhorred the offering of the Lord. As we come in tonight's study, we're going to pick it up in verse 22. Judgment is going to fall upon the house of Eli. 
God's judgment is going to fall on the house of Eli because of the corruption of their sons, but even more so because of the lack of discipline and spiritual leadership of the father. Remember that. The lack of discipline and leadership of the father is causing all of this to happen. God's judgment comes down. Eli is going to take the brunt of the judgment because of his non-action. Because by non-acting, he was approving of what they were doing. Because his non-action, because he had poor leadership skills and he wasn't a very good parent. So let's look at verses 22 to 26. And what appears to be a disregard for God's judgment. Now, Eli was very old and he heard everything his son did to all Israel. And remember, he heard about the sacrifices. He heard about what they were doing with the sacrifices, how they were eating the fat of the sacrifices, which belonged to God. That was specifically dedicated to God, but they were eating it. And they were doing the sacrifices wrong. And then look what else. And how they lay with the women who assembled at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. So in other words, there were these ladies who were coming to the tabernacle to serve the Lord. And they were seducing them and having intercourse with them. They were having relations with them. So they were causing them to stumble. They were causing them to fall. They were causing them to commit adultery or fornication in front of the Lord. Eli said, I heard about this. So he said to them, Eli says, why do you do such things? For I hear your evil dealings from all the people. No, my sons, it is not a good report that I hear. You make the Lord's people transgress. We talked at length when we studied the book of Romans about causing one to stumble, causing another to stumble. It's a great transgression. Jesus talked about it. Jesus gave parables about causing people to stumble. And basically said it would be better for you to tie a millstone around your neck and throw it into the sea than to cause someone to stumble. But that's what they were doing. They were causing people to stumble. Verse 25, it says, If one man sins against another, God will judge him. But if a man sins against the Lord, who will intercede for him? Nevertheless, they did not heed the voice of their father because the Lord desired to kill them. And the child Samuel grew in stature and favor both with the Lord and men. So again, you see the contrast that's happening here. But notice that this passage is not focused as much on Eli's sons as it is on Eli himself. First of all, he was old and no condition to to take the kind of leadership that Israel needed at that time. He was the high priest. He knew everything that his sons did. He heard about their evil acts, but he didn't do anything about it. He didn't do anything about it. Many godly people complained and told Eli about their actions of his sons. They were not only showing disrespect for the sacrifices on the altar... But they also had no regard for the women who served in the tabernacle. Instead of encouraging them to walk with the Lord, they seduced them. You know, when you're in ministry, you have a higher judgment based upon you. You are required much. And unfortunately, there's nothing new under the sun, folks. Because this kind of stuff continues to happen where people in ministry use their power 
or their authority to do bad things, to disregard the Lord's commands, to disregard his law. Billy Graham had a great, great comment a long time ago. He said, two things ruin a ministry, women and money. And we see that. We see that. He didn't mean that women ruin ministry. He mean ministers messing with women ruin ministry. Here we see that he, he, he's the high priest. Eli's the high priest. His sons are practicing to be priests. They're practicing. They're going to be high priests when Eli passes away because that's how it worked then. They moved up into the high priesthood. Happens way too often. Ministers of the gospel, good, strong ministers, powerful preachers falling because of sexual immorality. You see that happening. There isn't anything new under the sun. It's sad. We've had it happen in Calvary Chapel. We've seen it happen in Calvary Chapel. People who, there was a man who I used to listen to and go to see when I went to conferences, one of the greatest teachers I could recall. Here he was having affair after an affair after an affair after an affair. He had a church of some 30,000 people. It happens. It's, it's sad. It's very sad. But even though the people spoke to Eli about the conduct of his sons, nothing happened. He didn't change because he wasn't a godly father. He didn't direct his kids the way he was supposed to be as a spiritual leader of the house. Plus, his sons disregarded his warnings if they were, as if they were challenging God. As if they were challenging God. See, God has an order. There's order in God's house. There's order in man's house. God first, then the man, then the woman. The man is supposed to be the spiritual leader of the household. That's the way it is supposed to work. And when the man doesn't take his rightful place as spiritual leader of the household, things happen. The woman takes the place which is not her place to take, but she takes it. Some of them do well, some of them don't, don't do well. But the house tends to fall apart because it's not God's way, God's order. These aren't my rules. Look at the book. Read the book. These are God's ways. There's order in the household. There's order. There's order in the church. And when these things don't happen, things break down. Things fall apart. And this is what's happening here. The father did not take his spiritual leadership role. Look at David's sin with Bathsheba. After David sinned with Bathsheba, he lost all influence and authority with his own sons. Hophni and Phinehas, who were Eli's sons, had absolutely no respect for the Lord. Number one, they didn't know him, so how can they have respect for him that he didn't know him? But they were the high priest, and they didn't even have respect for their father. Scripture says, you make the Lord's people transgress. Again, we see this is a great sin of Eli. It was bad enough that they stole and indulged their own lust, but they also corrupted behavior. They made people hate to worship God. They were taking people away from God. And this is a bigger sin than anything, drawing people away from God. Don't give the Gentiles reason to blaspheme God, David said. Don't give them reason. 
We make the Lord's people transgress. Great sin of Eli. Eli asked an interesting question in verse 23, or actually it was in um, uh, verse 25. If no one, if one man sins against another, God will judge him. But if a man sins against the Lord, who will intercede for him? Interesting question. If one man sins against another, God will sin, will judge him. But if a man sins against the Lord, who will intercede? Well, first of all, all sin is against God. All sin is against God. But when we sin against man, God can judge us for our sin against man. But all the differences between man may be settled by a proper judge. But if anybody sins against the supreme judge, God himself, what's being said is, who's going to intercede for him? Who's going to intercede for them? That's what, that's what Eli is saying. Now remember, you got to remember the context. This is Old Testament. This is the law of Moses. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. For 1 John 2, 1, it answered the Eli's questions. If anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. Praise God. That's New Testament. <laughs> now we have New Testament. Praise the Lord. Jesus came and we have an advocate with the Father. There is only one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. There's only one mediator. The daysman has come. We now have that mediator. There is someone to go between us, praise God. There's someone to intercede for us when we do sin. All sin is against the Lord. You have the Ten Commandments. The first uh, four deal with your relationship with God. The second six deal with your relationship with man. So if you break one of the second six, you're sinning against man and God. If you break the, first, the one to four, you're sinning against God. So all sin is against God. What did David say after he committed adultery? In Psalm 51, against you and you, O Lord, alone have I sinned. All sin is against God. But praise God, we have a mediator. Praise God for Jesus Christ. Oh, my and we can come to him. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He does it. Nor should I say, he did it on the cross. It was taken care of. When he put himself on that wood and tree and hung there and died in our stead and bled and died, took every sin that we would ever have, that you would ever have, that the world would ever have upon itself. He paid the price, the ultimate price. Praise God, we have an advocate. Wow. Verse 25 says, the bottom says, nevertheless. That's never good when you see nevertheless in the Bible. You know there's something that's always bad going to come after it. Nevertheless. It's like when you see but God, you always go, yeah, you get excited. When you see nevertheless, you go, uh-oh. Watch out. Nevertheless, they did not. They is the two sons did not heed the voice of their father because the Lord desired to kill them. What? This statement seems kind of unfair. You are Although our time is coming to a close for the day, you don't have to stop studying God's Word. Feel free to read ahead in the book of 1 Samuel and find more teachings from this series online at assurehoperadio.com. All of Pastor Dave's messages are available to download for free. You can even subscribe to our podcast on iTunes to have updated messages sent right to your computer or phone. Find links at our website. Again, that's assurehoperadio.com. 
Well, we'd like to invite you to join us in person for church at Calvary Chapel, Cape May. Right now, we're following the Lord's guidance and remaining closed. However, we are still holding services online. Join us on Sunday mornings at 10 on Facebook and YouTube. Just follow the links you'll find at assurehoperadio.com. We're also streaming our Wednesday service at 7 p.m. along with Bible study and devotionals each week. It's important to stay connected to church community during this time, so we hope you'll join us. Is there anything we could be praying about for you? Please let us know. Call us at 609-884-5821. That's 609-884-5821. Would you pray for us too? Please keep Pastor Dave and all of us at Calvary Chapel Cape May in your prayers, that we'll be wise in our decisions, and that we'll stay in tune with the desires of Christ. Thanks for praying, and thanks for tuning in today. Join us next time to continue learning from the book of 1 Samuel, right here on A Sure Hope.